Welcome in Eagles fans to another edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. As always, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase here joining you. Players have officially reported to Novacare Complex. All the veterans I saw Deshaun Jackson pull up to Novacare Complex today. It is the official start of Eagles training camp. And we got you covered right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast four to six times a week with the season starting up. So make sure you subscribe to the show on any podcast platform or on LockdownEagles.com. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Gino Camilleri. And Gino, we're going to get into offensive position battles today with the start of training camp. And then tomorrow, we're going to get into the defensive side of the football. But I thought, you know what, we had already planned to do this this week anyway. And then some news came out today, two big headlines that is pretty prominent to a specific position battle. Uh, the Eagles have a training camp this year on offense at the wide receiver position, because as most people now know, listening to the show earlier today, Eagles wide receiver, who they traded from the San Francisco 49ers for during the third day of the NFL draft, Marquise Goodwin, has decided to opt out of the 2020 season due to the coronavirus pandemic. And not just that, but Alshon Jeffrey was placed on the active PUP list. So that's two veteran wide receivers that the Eagles will not have, at least, you know, Goodwin all year and Jeffrey at least probably for the first six weeks of the season. Season. And Gino, that's the first position battle I wanted to get into today was wide receiver, right? Wide receiver three, four, mm-hmm. five, and six, because I think we know Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, when they're if they're healthy, those are going to be the two receivers that I think are on the field the most. And then here we are. We were going to talk J.J. Ortega-Whiteside versus Marquise Goodwin versus Greg Ward versus John Hightower and Quez Watkins. And uh, I, I don't want to say that losing Marquise Goodwin is, you know, like some disastrous thing, like a make or break thing, right? We knew he was going to be battling with uh, Arthago Whiteside and Ward for playing time and the other rookies. But it is certainly a big blow. I mean, this is one of two healthy veterans right now that have any sort of proven ability. Um, again, it's not the end of the world, but it is unfortunate because he was going to be a big part, I think, of that speed infusion on offense this year. I said to you today that I honestly, it, it could be almost a little bit of a blessing in disguise for some of these young guys because Let's call a spade a spade at what is going on in the NFL right now. It is a mess. Players are opting out left and right. Players in their they have all the right in the world to. I mean, they want to protect their families and Marquise Goodwin, somebody who has just had a horrible, horrible track record right. in regards to this stuff. I mean, I don't blame him. Oh, it's totally understandable. What do you have? I mean, his wife had three miscarriages. He has asthma and sickle cell, and he's got a five-month-old kid. It is totally understandable from his perspective. Oh, these players are, they're human beings, and first and foremost, we want them to be safe ten times out of ten, and these guys deserve it. Uh, Somebody said on Twitter, and I thought it was kind of funny, that people all year long are, are... trying to find jobs everybody's unemployed right now and these nfl players should kind of like be happy that they can go back to work i mean 0.001 percent of the population has the athletic ability to play in this league like these guys have a right to take care of themselves and to take care of their families and if you think otherwise like your head it's not in the right place and you should probably go follow another sport but in other words this isn't the worst thing in the world for the Eagles because I think what they have done in this offseason, to an extent, can make up for this loss because we've said it time and time again. Not only did they go out and add one speed element in Jalen Rager, but they also went out there and added two gentlemen that you and I were both very high on in this draft season, me on John Hightower and you on Quest Watkins, two players that 
frankly, yeah, they are going to need a lot of piling up in regards to their game. But if you look at what they did, Quez Watkins just put the ball in his hands, man, and he can go and make plays. And Jai Tower, he's that field-stretching element. We've talked about if you get one of these guys to produce at a high level that you had a successful draft. I think both of these players have a chance to come in and kind of use their skill sets to their advantage in this offense. And right now, with Goodwin being out of the equation, it's a chance for a lot of young football players with high athleticism to get on the football field next year. Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's very exciting, the possibility of seeing these young guys step up. Jalen Rager, uh, of course, John Hightower and Quez Watkins, guys we really like. But also, I mean, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, he was going to get, I think, the most opportunity anyway to seize that wide receiver three spot. This is a Mm second-round pick from 2019 that you took over somebody like D.K. Metcalf and a Terry McLaurin. So while, yes, Rager, you need a lot out of him this year now without Goodwin. I'm really excited that... Both now, Hightower and Watkins have an opportunity to make this roster because I thought, you know, with Goodwin as a lock, it was probably going to be one or the other between Hightower and Watkins. And now, at least with the initial 53, both seem safe if they're going to keep six receivers. Of course, Alshon Jeffrey, mm-hmm. when he comes into a play, it'll be a numbers game that'll be interesting to talk about down the road. So, yeah, again, it's super exciting, but it's also terrifying because absolutely the only proven healthy player right now they have is Deshaun Jackson, and he's coming off the worst injury of his career. So, while I'm very high on all these young guys and I'm praying they give you a reason to not need Elshon when he comes back, at the same time, they could be an injury or two away from being in the same spot they were last year. We, we knew this, though. Marquise mm-hmm. Goodwin wasn't supposed to be that person to fix everything I just said. Right. But it was nice to have Guy another veteran. 16 games yeah, one exactly. Time yeah, that's the problem. Right. So even Goodwin, I mean, is never healthy, but he was mm-hmm. another option, a veteran that has had a year um, in Kyle Shanahan's offense a couple years ago where he almost had 1,000 yards. So mm-hmm. he was part of what made you feel good, at least while Alshon Jeffrey's gone. So that's the thing. It's not the end of the world. It's exciting for a lot of these young guys. At the same time, it is a little worrisome that right now uh, they're kind of at the mercy of youth injury history. That's, um, you know, it's it's definitely concerning. But I think JJ's the guy that we got to look at because right. I think Rager, no matter what, was going to play. And again, mm-hmm. we're both high on, on Hightower and Watkins, but you got to have your expectations tempered with, you know, fifth and sixth round draft picks. For sure. JJ, I this was just is a guy that he's got to... Oh, yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. JJ, He's not playing the game that Marquise right. no, plays. No, no, no. Like, Don't get me wrong. Like Watkins and Hightower, they've got crazy upside. Like they have potential to be studs. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you, man. Like I, I'm, a, you're preaching to the choir. JJ is the guy, though. That now he has got to step up this year. For sure. Uh, we were talking to um, our good friend over at Pro Football Focus. He was saying that you look at those bigger receivers that kind of take a few years to get into their own right and get into their game because, frankly, they're not. he's not a pure separator, and we've known this forever, and hopefully this offseason can do that for him. And the thing that kind of kept him off the field last year in not being able to separate will do great things for Hightower and Watkins because two of those gentlemen can both separate very well. But in my opinion, if J.J. was the player to opt out in this scenario here, I think you'd be in a lot more trouble because, frankly, you're going to have to go straight into Jalen Rager being your ex-player right away when, frankly, you kind of want to get him into the fold, not really throw him into the fire, especially with no preseason games. J.J. is going to have to step up. He's a second-round pick. This team knew the talent that he had when they selected him. Gino Camilleri over here at the Lockdown Eagles podcast had the same uh, 
the same understanding of his talent. And a lot of people have written him off right now. But to me, like you said, Lou, he is kind of the X factor because if he comes out there and can do what he, we think he can, you can now let Jalen Rager ease into the offense. You're not going to force him into the offense, kind of get him in that Nelson Aguilar mindset where he had to be the guy right away. You know, he, he can kind of take time to get in there, especially with Deshaun there too, who plays a very similar role. And what we talked about, uh, I think maybe yesterday or last week, that these two tight ends, both of these guys can split into the slot as well, and that can alleviate a lot of the downside of not having a full-time slot receiver. It's it's exciting. It is scary, but it's a big opportunity because and not just for not just for Ortega Whiteside and Rager and Hightower and Watkins who have a clear path to make the initial fifty-three. Um, Greg Ward, of course, somebody that has a ton of experience in the slot and big moments last year. Um, but it, again, it's a big opportunity because Alshon Jeffrey. As we talked about, Marquise Goodwin opting out, but Alshon also on Tuesday was placed on the PUP list. So let's say he doesn't practice this summer, Gino, and he starts the year on the PUP. That means he has to miss the first six games of the season. These guys are going to have, you know, J.J. Ortega, Whiteside, Greg Ward, Hightower, Watkins. They're going to have six weeks to show the Eagles that they don't need Alshon anymore. And to me, I think, I think now we, we've talked about it and we've gone back and forth with, I thought, Alshon was kind of a goner when the season first mm-hmm. ended, and then, you know, the more and more we saw the situation take place, the, the situation they were in with the contract and with the personnel they have, it seemed more and more likely that he'd be on the team this year, at least for a little bit. Now I think it's very likely that he's on the roster year. Because, again, you're an injury or two away from being in another disastrous scenario at wide receiver. So I, I think while... There can be an opportunity for J.J. and Ward and all these young guys to keep Alshon off the field. I do think multiple young receivers would need to produce at like a pretty high level, too, mm-hmm. to convince the Eagles they can look into a trade or maybe just not play him at all. Definitely. And one of the things that you talk about these double-edged swords, one thing with the whole coronavirus, we've talked about this time and time again, is there's going to be a fair amount of veteran free agents that are going to market come the cut down to 53 because teams are not going to be able to see a lot of these guys that they brought in in both undrafted free agency and vets that they took flyers on. So you might see a guy like, hey, say Buffalo wants to get rid of Robert Foster. And I would take a shot on him as your sixth receiver, somebody that's been around for three years, can play that field-stretching element. I would bring him in. Somebody that I've talked about on the show, Taylor Gabriel, is still a free agent out there right now. So if you're worried about the whole veteran element to it, I totally understand. Because you want experience out there, especially with what we saw the last couple years with some inexperienced wide receivers. I totally understand that. But the thing is, I don't think this is the end-all, be-all, and I don't think this is the end of the wide receiver roster makeover that we've seen this offseason. I still think you see one more move to come before this whole thing is said and done. Probably when that cut-down time comes, because they have signed wide receivers. I remember a couple years ago, Bryce Treggs, I think he was uh, on waivers after San Fran cut him, and they put him on their active roster. So now with more players that are going to be fringe NFL players, fringe 53-man roster players. Your scouting squad is going to have to be doing their work and find guys that can play that role because you have an open roster spot. Marquise Goodwin was on the 53 in both your and mine opinion and a lot of people in that building's opinion. There was a reason they brought him to town. Now there's an open roster spot. Let those guys go compete. Competition is going to bring out the best in these guys, especially a very young 
I love seeing young groups compete and letting the best guys come out and play. Frankly, we haven't seen that. We've seen a lot of, okay, this guy's been here. He knows this system. He's been in Schwartz's system. Let him go out and play. He's, uh, this guy's he's friends with Carson Wentz. Let's go back Jordan Matthews, for example. Now you have a chance to, hey, maybe there is a diamond in the rough that we've been just waiting. Like, where is our diamond in the rough to come? Like, maybe it's John Hightower finally. Maybe it's Quez Watkins. Maybe Deontay Burnett comes out and has a heck of a first two weeks, you know? So maybe something like that happens. But to me, competition is everything for this unit and everything for this football team right now because you have a lot of those pillars in place. We talk about this retool. It's going to happen really fast with no preseason. It's going to happen week one. You're going to be thrown right into the fire. Who's going to step up and make those plays when it matters? Can add a veteran like Taylor Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't want to have to go back to you know the Jordan Matthews move where they just keep no. settling for that. Please, and no. I think losing Goodwin like that's a big blow. But you do mm-hmm. you're a you're a receiver two injury away from being in a, in a hole for sure. But like you said, I want these young guys to give us a reason mm-hmm. to not have to worry about that and to not. For sure. Sure. Not only maybe not add a veteran, but again, like as we're talking about, maybe not even need Alshon when he comes back. And the, the exciting part about it now is we've rattled through so many different names. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Greg Ward, John Hightower, Quez Watkins. The Eagles have done such a good job this year. Goodwin was one of like you know five to six guys that mm-hmm. they were going to hope break out. So it's it's a numbers game where you have so many good you know options now, or at least high upside options, that... Mm-hmm a couple are bound to produce to a certain level this year. That's why I'm still confident is that I love the young talent they have, and I love the, the not only the quality of it, the quantity of it, too. With reason. I mean, we haven't seen athletic players brought in here in quite some time. This team changed up their entire draft philosophy and just brought in an entire draft class of pure athletes. And if anything, Quez Watkins and John Hightower just be athletes. When does Carson work best? Out of structure. Let those guys go run a scramble drill every now and then, you know? Quez Watkins is a a yards-after-the-catch master. He's a guru at it. That's what he did. I just truly believe that there are enough good pieces up top in terms of receiving with, I would say, your top four receivers right now are Deshaun Jackson, probably Miles Sanders, and then two tight ends. And then you could kind of let Jalen Rager, like, fill in those receptions, you know, let him get five or six right off the bat, let him work his, get his feet wet. And then you, you, you just throw him to the wolves if he comes out or if, Hey, let's say John Hightower gets hot first or Quez Watkins. Like that's the thing with the law of average, you know, I'm a big numbers guy. Like you said, they are bound to have a player just come out and say, okay, we don't even need to worry about all As you say, like we have Deshaun, he's healthy. We have our tight ends. We can run the pass game through miles, Let's just get one or two other weapons in there that can really help us compete. And truly, I think the athleticism that they have right off the bat is going to be great for this offense because you're not going to have guys just waddling around out there, Jordan Matthews struggling to separate. You have guys that are pure burners, true separators, and can give Carson Wentz, somebody who loves to throw to spots on the football field, the perfect spots and windows to throw to. And you've got a big body in J.J. Ortega-Whiteside that mm-hmm. you can throw contested catches to. Hopefully he improves his separation oh, you know, this year. You know <laughs> me more than anybody is just waiting for J.J. to just be the breakout star at that wide receiver position. To just I hope, say, man, I he should be. I mean, he should. Place. Again, we both love the talent of Hightower and Watkins. Mm-hmm. J.J. should be the one. I mean, he is the second-round yeah, pick. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity for these young players. Yeah, I'm concerned mm-hmm. that there's no proof 
proven ability whatsoever outside of Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, but even Alshon's coming off even if he comes back. We have no idea what that's going to be off of Liz Frank injury. He always gets hurt. He was having a down year anyway last season. You know the -the off-the-field stuff with the the distraction that was uh, the comments he made to Josina Anderson, but... um, at the same time, there is a lot of variety still to this receiver room. There's a lot of explosiveness still. Goodwin was a big part of it, but there's still uh, four guys that run almost a 4-3. And then you have a big guy like J.J., and you have still a separator inside, a reliable player on third downs and in big moments in a Greg Ward. We're talking about some offensive position battles that we're going to see throughout the summer, and we'll get into that coming up more. We're going to get into the quarterback position. Jalen Hurts versus Nate Sudfeld coming up next. All right, Gino, we got into the receiver position, Mark. Marquise Goodwin opting out of the 2020 season because of COVID-19. Alshon Jeffrey being placed on the active PUP list. Let's flip the script now, though. Let's talk about the quarterback position. Obviously, you have Carson Wentz. He's the future. He is, to me, a top-five quarterback in this game. He is the unquestioned guy moving forward, but at the backup position. Now that Hurts is in the building, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I love Hurts as a prospect himself. I wish they would have went another another way, another position. But now that he's here, I am excited about the kind of player he can be. I mean, incredible mobility, great touch on deep throws, clutch. He's a good leader. Donovan McNabb, Russell Wilson to him for sure. And then Nate Sudfeld... I love his talent still, and he's been in the offense for four years. So Sudfeld's probably the favorite right now, but that's going to be a fun battle to watch, man, this summer. Lou, you were definitely the kid that was like, you would sit around and have a toy, and you would just like kind of be jealous of him. Like, yeah, I don't really like that toy. And then you would get that toy, and you're like, yeah, I love this toy. Like, this is awesome. Like, that's how I feel like you just you just converted like right in that moment to being yeah. just a Jalen Hurts stand. No, like, no, no, yeah, no. Let's, let's, me. Let's I did. Go, I Jaylen, did hold on. Let's I run, did run, say. Run. I did say that I. I might as yeah. well. I have to fairly evaluate him. Yeah, I'm never gonna. That's I'm never cool. gonna knock a player. That's the problem. Is it's not his fault. It's not the kid's fault when the parents fight. I didn't like. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't like what Howie Roseman did with the pick because of the position and the situation. The player himself. I do like the player himself. Fair, fair. And in that regard, I have to just ask you a quick question: that how much more exciting is talking about Jalen Hurts and Nate Sudfeld than it would be Nate Sudfeld and Clayton Thorson? Oh, yeah, obviously. It's a much better discussion. I mean, it's fun. I think if there was an injury, and I'm praying there's not again, I hope Wentz just can finish a season, take the Eagles on a deep playoff run, but if there was an injury, I'm really excited about both of these guys with the talent they'd have around them, with the coaching staff, the support system they have. Um, You look at Josh McCown last year, Gino, in the playoffs, I know he almost led that comeback, but to me now, I think you're in a way better spot if you get thrown into that situation again. We've seen Hurts and what he can do in big moments in college football, and even Sudfeld. You know, I, I know the Eagles preferred McCown, and they dressed him in the playoffs. I probably would have went the other way. I know he hasn't got a lot of opportunities, but I think when he's on the field in the preseason, he shows a ton of promise, and he's got a lot of physical abilities that I like. He's the guy that they've kind of molded and been... QB factory kind of mold to an extent, you know, like you talk about this QB factory that they're running there. This is the season to really get that first guy out that you get your first product out of the manufacturing plant. Nate Sudfeld, this is the year that he has to grab that QB two position because I think there's so much more for him to lose in this season than there would be for the Eagles. He has said time and time again that he wants to lead a team. And Howie has said that Nate has wanted to lead a team, and Doug has said the same thing. And frankly, the E deserves to go out there and deserve a chance because he's not going to get it here in Philadelphia. But right now, you're sitting in a very good spot with insurance 
for your quarterback because, frankly, how I would take this position right now, Lou, is that I would have Nate Sudfeld every week to prepare to be your QB, too. And then Jalen Hurts, that's your chess piece. Whatever you want to do with this guy in terms of getting him in a maybe a two-quarterback set, putting him in a backfield with Miles Sanders, putting him out wide. I think you're going to present so many more looks with this guy in there, not just at the quarter position, but you you talk about athleticism. And frankly, that's one of the things you talk about and you see in Jalen Hurts is just as pure athleticism. And Press Taylor, who it's kind of cliche because we say it time and time again, he said the next big thing in football is having two guys on the field that can pass the ball. So I believe they have something in mind with Jalen Hurts. But right now, QB2 is so set on Nate Sudfeld that I think it's two different discussions to have with Jalen Hurts and Nate. Like Carson and Nate are one unit, and then Jalen is kind of like his own unit. He's like kind of like... You have the military, and then you have like a special force. Whatever you want to do with this guy, he can go out and do it for you. I think Sudfeld should be the favorite, but I also think if Wentz, let's say, were to go down, you know, knock on wood that this doesn't happen, but let's say he did go mm-hmm. down, Sudfeld would get the first crack, but it's a, right. it's a tight leash. It's a short mm-hmm. leash. If he struggles, it's like when you watch yeah. college games and you see like that quarterback that's like he's the good prospect, like a true freshman, but he might not have it all together yet, and then you have this guy who's been around for three years that's just a pure athlete. Might not be the best passer, but you always want to put the better pure athlete on the field over the pure passer. Because frankly, when you have to play 11-on-11 football, it's a lot harder than playing against a guy like Nate. I think we talked about it, that if Hertz was in that game last year in Seattle, I think you might have had a closer game. Yeah, you look at that opportunity they had inside the 20. And Josh McCown just couldn't make the plays that I think Hertz could, that I think Wentz, and even Sudfeld. I was upset that Sudfeld wasn't the guy that dressed in that game. And yeah, again, he'll be the favorite. He's known this offense for four years, and that will give him an advantage over Hertz. Uh, but Hertz and put him in the game, the things he can do outside of structure with the speed the Eagles have on offense right now, I think he could have a lot of success um, if he did have to play this year. It's a, it's a bigger for both guys, for Hertz and you know more so for Sudfeld. Because like you said, he's been trying to prove that he can be a starter elsewhere. And while I think he could be at the same time, you know, there's a reason he hasn't got that opportunity yet. And there's, you know, it's, it's a big because if let's say he did go in the game and then he gets pulled, you know, already you were chosen. You weren't chosen over a 40 year old Josh McCown. So if you lose out to a Mm -hmm. rookie now this year too, that's kind of a make or break situation for Sudfeld this year. So I'm excited. You kind of want him to be in that position because you want him to play his best football. Like you want him to take this job. Like we said at the wide receiver position, you want those guys to go take that job. You don't want to have to hear about Jalen Hurts as your QB too. You want him to do whatever the heck they're stirring up in the lab there at the Novacare complex for that kid. You know, like you want that to be its own secret project. Like let Carson, let Nate, let those two just continue to do their thing because they're best friends. You see them on the football field talking to each other all the time. I just think it's a you got to continue mindset that you put Nate in first and. Hey, if worse comes to worse, you have a hell of an option number three if you had to go to Jalen Hurts. I'm really excited about it. Like, you know, it's kind of the same as receiver, right, man, where uh, there's no proven ability on the field at the NFL level, but you love the physical talent. That's the thing. You you absolutely do love the physical talent, and athleticism wins football games, and if you can win football games, that's what matters here in Philadelphia. Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri joining you on this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Eagles, getting into some position battles on the offensive side of the football. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, Eagles fans, thanks so much for tuning into this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Eagles. We are wrapping up the show, talking about offensive position battles that will be going down 
at the start of NFL training camp, which officially got going today. Eagles players, veterans, rookies, they are all at the NovaCare Complex now that decided not to opt out. Uh, Gino, we talked about the receiver battles here, uh, the quarterback position, backup battle. Another one that's interesting, let's say it's just Boston Scott and Corey Clement. I know Boston Scott's the favorite, and what he did down the stretch last year was amazing. I mean, he looked like a mm-hmm. souped-up, you know, more powerful version of Darren Sproles. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm a little bit more high on Corey Clement than most are at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if Clement, because Clement was kind of the 2017 version of what Boston Scott was last year. Both have had flashes at the end of the year, big spots as receiving running backs. Hey, man, I, I think Scott's going to be the favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised if Clement finally gets some reps on the field and he's healthy and he looks good. I'm, I'm higher on Clement than most, I think, still. The thing I have to see, does he have that? 2017 explosiveness because right. in the last two seasons when he wasn't healthy you saw how much that hurt his That's a good game. point for sure you need to see it right off the bat because you can't have another jay ajayi experiment like oh. you did last year <laughs> i mean just a guy who clearly shouldn't have even been on the field nothing was more me, sad than watching ajayi trying to run on third right. and one like an outside zone and he just can't get there couldn't get to the edge it, yeah. it was terrible it was sad but, the thing is with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and their explosion and in right. their ability to create their own angles and make medicine, Corey didn't have that the last two years. And frankly, if he doesn't win that job, there's some guys behind him that do have some explosiveness. I mean, if you turn on A.J. Killings tape at UCF, one of the most explosive players in college football. I mean, he ran like a 4-440, if I'm not mistaken, just looks like a bullet out of a gun. And you have a guy like Michael Warren or Elijah Holyfield who are two big bruisers that, hey, maybe they go that route. Or maybe they go to the route of a veteran running back. Like we said with the other two positional units, it was Nate Sudfeld's job to lose. It was J.J. Whiteside's job to lose. It's Corey Clement's job to lose, in my opinion, because you want to see him come out there, have that explosiveness, continue to do what he was doing in the pass protection game, continue to see what he was doing in the receiving game, because right now it's going to be Boston Scott and Miles Sanders taking up a lot of those receptions out of the backfield. So Corey has to find a way, one way or another, to get out there. And to me, if he doesn't have the juice and doesn't have that step and is just slow out of the gate, I don't think his tenure is going to be long, especially for the amount of money that they signed him for. But at the same time, I want him to prove us wrong. I want him to come out and prove that he's that 2017 player that we loved. I mean, we've talked about it time and time again. We loved Corey Clement after that season. We loved him in 2018. We loved what he could have brought in 2019. Unfortunately, we didn't see a lot of it. 2020, is a healthy Corey Clement going to come out? Because that's what it comes down to, especially with a lot of these guys. You talked about Howie Roseman's mantra, are they healthy? Corey Clement is one of those guys that has to fit that mantra in 2020 if he wants to see playing time. Yeah, and because I think one thing that, while, again, Scott's got the explosiveness, uh, the receiving ability, again, the the plays he was able to make in space last year was, you know, Clement was a great receiver in 2017. Scott's on another level when it comes to elusiveness and just breakaway speed, you know, down the field. But what Clement has, I think, that Scott doesn't, is an opportunity for more carries, I think. I, I think Clement, if there was an injury to Miles Sanders. Obviously, they would look into bringing a veteran in, but Corey Clement's someone I think they maybe would be able to rely on more. Not to say Scott can't be a great running back in between the tackles, and we saw how good he was in the red zone last year. I think he had five or all six of his touchdowns were inside the 10 or inside the five, 
but you know he's not somebody with his stature that you can have touch the football, or, or I should say run the football, you know, 15 to 20 times. So Clement, yeah, man, he's got to show that he can be a complete running back that they thought he could be in 2018. It's why they were comfortable letting LeGarrette Blunt go, and they were they were ready to feature mm-hmm. Jay Ajayi and Corey Clement. And then the injuries happened, and he was playing inconsistently. He got going at the end of 2018, and then another injury happened. So then last year, they just they didn't want to rely on him, so they brought in Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, and they convinced Darren Sproles not to retire. So it's a big opportunity for him. Yeah, they could still add a veteran. Corey Clement, Boston Scott too. They've got to convince them, just like mm-hmm. the receivers do. they got to convince this team that they don't need a veteran like Alshon Jeffrey. They don't need a veteran like LaShawn McCoy to come in the building and take their job. That's why I want the young guys to play, man. 100%. And, uh, you know, it's veterans, a collection of veterans has been beneficial in the past. It's worked. But mm-hmm. there's also times, you know, where you've got to let the young guys play. It's a young man's sport, and we saw that last year. They tried bringing back Jay Ajayi and Jordan Matthews, and it just didn't work when they finally said, forget it. We're going to let Boston Scott and Miles Sanders take over. We're going to let Greg Ward play. We're going to let Robert Davis get a chance, and Deontay Burnett, and mm-hmm. Joshua Perkins. That's when things did turn around. So I think just like everything in life, there's a balance you want to go balance of veterans and young players but you're building through a lot of youth here in 2020 so stick to that plan you did that in the draft let these guys now have a chance i'm not saying don't bring in LaShawn mccoy don't rely on alshon jeffrey when he comes back but first you've got to see what these guys can do couldn't agree more my friend i think that's 100 the ideology that they need to follow because old habits do die hard but once you break those habits that's where you start to see the sunshine on the other end of the hill. So they need to get over that mountain and see the sunshine that is in everybody that they brought in in this offseason. That's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this Tuesday edition of the show. Please be sure to subscribe to the pod on any platform. Four to six episodes a week being downloaded into your phone. You're not going to find another Eagles podcast out there that churns out more episodes a week than me and Gino do. You can follow us on Twitter. And if you do, fine, please yes. let us know. Yes, I let would us love know. to see what it is. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, too, because we're always talking birds after the show as well, at LOE and at Gino underscore LOE. And, of course, you can always find our podcast as well on the Mothership. LockedOnEagles.com. For Mr. Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and let's go Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.